Hello, this is Matt, the host of the show. Before we get started with this episode, though, I want to tell you a quick little story. If you've been paying attention to the news at all lately, you'll know that the fires in Northern California are causing mass destruction. A young Southampton-supporting family of Keith, Nicole, and their son Dylan recently lost their house and all their possessions in a wildfire. They are safe, which we are grateful for, but they've lost everything. A Just Giving page has been set up to help them get back on their feet. Anything you can spare in this time of need would be most appreciated. If you're not in a position to be able to donate, please consider sharing the link so we can help them raise the money that they need. We're thankful that Keith, Nicole, and Dylan are all safe, but they are still very much in need. The link is in the show notes. Donate whatever you can, and if you're not in a position to be able to do so, share the link. All right? And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. I'd like to thank you for joining us. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. Um, I have to be honest in that looking back on the match now versus uh, directly on the final whistle when my guest Richard Brereton and I, editor at the Saints panel, sat down to record, uh, I think now I have a slightly different perspective as to as to what kind of transpired. And on, on one hand, when we sat down to record, I was... Uh, somewhat disappointed in that we only drew at home to a newly promoted Newcastle side uh, that is struggling, that is going through, um, you know, possible uh, today the the club's owner put them up for sale. Um, they have lots and lots of issues. They didn't buy well in the transfer window, uh, all kinds of things like this. And you look at that and you go, man, how do we only get a point out of this? But then at the same time, to score a goal from open play, only our, our second one at home this year, although it was a really just a brilliant piece of, of individual uh, skill from Manolo Gabbiadini to come from behind twice to equalize almost kind of left me feeling like I was on the upswing, like things were going well and, and that was something to be happy about. But the more I look back on it now, though, maybe it's just another sign that things aren't quite right. Things aren't quite clicking just yet. Uh, and we're still waiting for the manager to be able to piece it all together. But uh, no matter what, uh, what Richard and I uh, give you in in the interview when I went, when I talked to Richard is is pretty raw. It, it is not. We haven't had a lot of time to think about things. It was on the whistle. It was uh, a reaction. Uh, so I hope that you can enjoy that. I hope that you can uh, understand and relate to that. And uh, I think overall it will be pretty good. And we'll get to that. Uh, but before we do, I'd just like to point you in the direction of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more. Be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a huge supporter of this show. He designed the logo. He's been a guest. I uh, couldn't do the show without him. So head on over to We Are Southampton on Instagram and check it out. And now with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Richard Brereton. You can find him on Twitter at Richard Brer. That's Richard B-R-E-R, recorded directly after the draw between Southampton and Newcastle on Sunday, October 15th. <laughs> 
We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Richard Brereton. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Richard, B-R-E-R, Richard Brer. Uh, he's the editor and one of the writers for the Southampton panel, which you can find on Twitter at Saints underscore panel. Uh, join me way back on, uh, I think, episode four. And uh, pleasure to have you back, Richard. Thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Oh, my, my, my pleasure. Well, we are recording literally moments after the final whistle of Southampton, Newcastle, the 2-2 draw. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but I want to give myself a second to kind of put it in perspective while we're, while we, while we talk before that. Middle of January, end of January since we talked last time. So, uh, I know, I know you've been on a safari since then, but what else is going on in terms of, uh, in terms of you since, since January? Um, yeah, not much, not much really. Uh, as you said, um, well, holiday to Zimbabwe recently which is where my parents are from originally which was nice um, and now just yeah back at home back at work um, and yeah although it's been quite a long time not much has changed in terms of Saints it seems to be the same old problems that we were talking about in January um, but I suppose we'll go into all of that a bit later yeah yeah absolutely um, I did see I had a podcast download from Zimbabwe and Zambia and I'm assuming that was you the timeline kind of matches up is that was that you were you downloading mm-hmm. the podcast even down there yeah, um, so I've got it on, on subscribe, so it would have downloaded um, over the Wi-Fi when I was out there. So yeah, that's almost certainly me. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I, I was kind of excited that somebody in Zimbabwe was downloading it. And then when I when I talked to you, I was like, oh, it has to be you, so I have to ask. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, Southampton panel, any, any new developments for you guys over there? Are you still looking for writers or anything? Uh, yeah, so we've actually had a bit of a break since the end of last season. We're having the website redeveloped, so just waiting for that to get finished, and then we'll we'll be pumping out the articles again. Um, I suppose we're fully kind of run by fans, for fans. We're not backed by any um, kind of big blogs or kind of media companies, so uh, things take a bit, a bit longer to get sorted, but um, we'll have something coming out soon. Um, and as you said, it'll be lots of analysis by um, kind of myself and a couple of other Saints fans. Um, and then we've also got the wider um, the wider kind of blog Premier League panel is what we're part of. Um, so keep an eye out on, on there as well for, for more analysis from other Premier League clubs. It's all all written by fans that, that watch their uh, clubs regularly. So um, yeah, keep a, keep a look out for that as well. Somebody asked me to write something right at the beginning of the season. And I normally don't, I don't want to, I don't want to write stuff just because it seems like one more thing to do. And this is enough to kind of keep me busy, but uh, I did it and I, I have no idea how some of you guys do it. Just the quantity of, of, of things that you guys write and the, you know, the word limits and everything. I was just like, I was struggling and I was like, man, I'm glad this is over and it's only a one-time deal because I have a lot of respect for the, you guys who are able to, to, to do that. Yeah, we're, we're lucky that, um, the guy that runs the overall blog is, uh, is really good and lets us kind of put out whatever we want, want really. So we're not constrained particularly by, by character limits or particular topics. There are things that we'd like to cover, but we very much let the writers, um, kind of write what they're interested about, what they're passionate about. So I feel like that gives a much better article at the end. Yeah. In terms of the international break, we won't talk about it very much, but we're com- coming off of it. Do you have, um, you have family from different parts of, of Africa. Do you, do you root for any of those countries when they're, when they're playing in the, either in the African Cup of Nations or even for World Cup qualifying, or do you kind of root for England? Um, not especially. I sort of root for England. I don't, don't watch a huge number of the games anymore. Uh, but when it comes to a big tournament, I'll, I'll follow them. Um, South Africa are particularly good, um, so might not even qualify for the next World Cup. They've got to beat Senegal twice in a row. Um, a bit easier now that Man is injured, but still, uh, it's going to be pretty tricky. So, <laughs> I mean, I followed them in the whole uh, in the home World, World Cup in 2010, but um, yeah, it's it's more just a token support rather than in any expectation of them doing anything. 
Okay. And, and part of the reason I ask is that, um, I don't know if you saw the reaction to Salah scoring that winner for Egypt that put them through and, and just seeing kind of, you know, I listened to The Guardian and, and a bunch of those other podcasts where people seem really down on English football and people are always, it seems like expectations go up for the English team and then we watch the matches and they're boring and, and all this stuff and people get really down. But then you see, you know, we, we kind of expect England to qualify. And to be honest, I expected the U.S. to qualify too, uh, but that didn't work out. And then, uh, but, but when you see what happens with people in, in Egypt and other parts of the world, when their countries finally get there after a long absence, it seems like it means a lot a lot more to them. And uh, I was just curious as if, uh, you know, any of your family members feel that way about, about maybe the South African team or, or any, any other teams? Uh, not my family, but it is, it's football's crazy out in Africa. Um, I mean, everyone you speak to out there when you go on holiday, the first thing I ask you is, is what Premier League team do you support? Um, they're also passionate about international football. Um, whenever the national team's playing, it's, it's a big event and they all um, kind, of, kind of get around to watch it together. Um, so as you say, for them, there's a massive amount of pride when they do well. Um, but there's also, um, corruption issues and various other things in, in football out there. So, um, South Africa's one of their recent games has now, uh, been rearranged. That's why they have to play Senegal again because the referee from the previous one was done for match fixing. Right. right. Um, so it, it, it kind of, put, kind of puts a damper on it a little bit when, when the refs are corrupt. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm sure you, you saw the U.S. match that kind of, uh, our inability to beat Trinidad and Tobago and getting to watch all three matches at once on one screen where as everybody else is scoring and we're not scoring. And then it was just all of a sudden we're out and now I'm, you know, curse words flying off the Twitter timeline. So, um, yeah. And, oh, and, well. I, and I had you guys in my accumulator. So, so that let me down as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that should have been an easy win. That was a, that's right. That's a, if you don't win that match, you don't get to go. That's just what it worked. What yeah, it yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, enough of, about that. Let's let's focus on. I think we're both excited that Southampton is finally playing again. Sunday match kind of sucks for the Newcastle away fans. That's a, that's a hefty trip. Um, the TV coverage here said that their train won't get back until almost three in the morning. Um, so that's a that's a long long day for them. But for Southampton, I think we were kind of crying for for two strikers coming in coming into the match, and people kind of middle of last week started to ramp up the talk about. Uh, who's going to play where and, 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 and what we were going to expect from, from Pellegrino. But, um, coming into the match today, the, the Southampton Twitter put out the, the formation and it looked like a 4 2 3 1, but Gabby Dini was playing in that 10 role. But it seemed like when we came out, maybe it was a, almost like a 4 4 2, uh, from what it looked like on TV. I'm not quite sure if you have a different perspective, but what did you make of both the formation and, and the players chosen in those, in those positions? Um, I can understand why he did it because if, if we play another game at home, play one up top at home again and don't score, uh, then he's, he's going to get absolutely slated for not doing anything. Uh, I think it did, did give us something having the two up top. I think the problem was, is what it cost us in other areas. Uh, so as you say, um, my perception in the first half was they were, they were, the two of them were quite flat together up top, um, which left a massive hole in the kind of number 10 attacking midfield spot. And when you've got, um, Romeo and Lamina both sitting deep as well, I think at one point I saw, the two of them either side of the two centre backs while the, the full backs pushed up. It just, it gives you something on the wing that just leaves, a, leaves an absolutely massive hole in midfield mm-hmm. um, and, and rather limits what you can do. You either have a cross on for the side, otherwise you've got to knock it all the way back uh, into defence again. Um, and I think when we played better in the second half is when either Gabby Adin dropped off or Long dropped off uh, and we had someone in that hole and we stretched the defence a bit more. 
Um, when the two were making the same runs as each other in the first half, it was it was a bit easy to defend against. Yeah, uh, somebody I was talking to um, in one of the chats on Twitter pointed out that watch, just watch Gabbiadini and Long are going to make the same runs as one another all day. And they're just going to get in each other's way because we're not used to playing the system. And 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 that did happen a little bit the first half, but 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 yeah. So uh, any any surprises in terms of personnel as to be as to who was left out? I mean, Davis being left out of the out of the out of the side did that surprise you at all? Uh, I think if you're um, if you're playing two up top, Davis is probably the obvious one to drop out in terms of we still need width, so you need to have someone that's comfortable on on playing on the flank. Um, and Tadic and Redmond are, are are capable of doing it. I think they did that a lot better today. Had the touchline a lot more, um, but the problem is, as I said before, it, it, it leaves you lacking in the field a bit. Lamina and Romeo were great at winning the ball, but Lamina's good at driving forward in possession. But neither of them are the best passers in the world. They're not going to play that that killer ball through the lines to to pick out the front men. So uh, I think it yeah it cost us a bit in that respect, but um, improved a bit when Davis came on later on. But if you're going to play two up top, I'm not sure um, who else you drop out unless you leave. Um, either one of Redmond and Tadic out and play uh, either Davis or, or Ward-Prowse on the wing if you want a more kind of passing option. Um, or what I'd probably do is is play Booth out. Um, I think he's a lot more direct, runs at players and, and makes us um, play a bit differently. Because at the moment, if, if the guy doesn't have an option, he knocks it back into midfield. Whereas Booth out is going to take that man on, stretch it a bit. Yeah, he might lose the ball, but if he loses the ball, we can press high and try and win it back. and It forces us to press. Um, whereas when he, we bring him on at the end of the games, he's doing that, but the game's ridiculously open anyway, so it costs us a bit more. And, and sometimes you want players to take that chance. It's a, that's what we're, I think, as fans especially, calling out for is somebody take it upon themselves to impress themselves on the game and make something happen. And and when he came on, he definitely was bringing that kind of factor to the team. But yeah, I, I kind of thought that if we were going to play two up top, we would have gone with three at the back and then been able to play kind of three in the midfield and have Bertrand and Cedric out wide and then play two up top. But then you lose, you know, you look at who else you're leaving out of the lineup in terms of Tadic and Redmond, and maybe that doesn't work either. But that just puts Davis kind of in the middle and behind the strikers. But, you know, you, you always have to sacrifice uh, something. So uh, Pellegrino felt that this was the best option and, and you know, we, we went with it. It didn't initially work out. Plenty of possession, I guess, in the first half, but didn't for large periods didn't look great. Didn't look like we were really up for it. But we'll we'll get to that I, I guess now if you want to jump into the first half. Yeah, the first the first half was yeah it was strange. As you say, we had a lot of possession, but we just weren't quick enough uh, at moving the ball around. Um, it became really easy for the Newcastle defender. They were really well set up, um, and it was just kind of the same thing over and over again until we uh, inevitably get hit on the break. Um, whereas when we when we go behind, we start p- pressing the issue a bit more, moving the ball around quicker, and all of a sudden we play better. So I think we just need to do that from the from the first whistle rather than waiting until till we go a goal down. Yeah. Um, one of the first things I noticed in the first half was uh, Cedric played a ball into Tadic, and Tadic made a great turn, got himself into some space, and then blasted it over the bar. Um, yeah. Redmond put a nice stood up a nice ball for him at the back post, and what really he should do, I think, there is head it back across the goal instead of going for goal himself. Uh, you yep. had Gabbiadini and Long there. He chooses to go for it himself and heads it over. And at that point, you know, just the abuse on Twitter is is flowing, free flowing, <laughs> more so than the football. And um, and people are calling for all kinds of things. But you know, we give away two corners, and then eventually uh, the goal for Newcastle comes. And uh, and I saw some people kind of maybe getting after Forrester a little bit, um, and, and also Van Dyke on that. But when in terms of that Newcastle goal, do you can you really blame that on on any one person, or is that just kind of what happens when you don't control the ball and it's just bouncing around? 
Um, yeah, I think it's it's a collective um, collective error. But also, it's not yeah, it's not a mistake by any one person. I think Van Dyke makes a good tackle initially, which if he hadn't made, they could have scored anyway. His clearance wasn't as as good as possible, and then Yashida um, made a good block. Um, I think once Forster dives like that, it's it's difficult to blame it on him getting his getting his weight back up. Maybe he could do a little bit better without being picky. I think it's just one of those collective things as we shouldn't have allowed ourselves to be put in that situation in the first place. Yeah, it's almost like if Yoshida doesn't get the block and Forster makes the save himself, I think we had I think three Southampton players before there were any any Newcastle players. So I think we get to that ball first if that happens, but it's not what happened. And that shot comes in and it it, it was a decent shot. It had a bit of curl on it and it it was hit pretty hard and uh kind of on the half volley. So I can't I don't I'm not sure I can blame anybody. And, and if I don't know. I don't think I can blame any one person uh, along there. Like you said, Van Dyke's clearance wasn't the best, but sometimes your job is just to get it away, and and that's what happens. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you. And, and from then on, it seemed like we were slightly more into the game, but really the same story. Uh, shots, sure, or opportunities, sure, but no real shots, not testing the goalkeeper, not uh, really make, being able to make either the final pass or open up the space to really you know have a chance. But after the goal, did you think we started to come into it a, a bit better? Like we, we looked like we wanted it a little bit more or uh, am I getting ahead of myself by saying that? Uh, no, I agree. Um, I think we had a lot more urgency after we went behind. Um, so if the players thought, right, now we need to try and score rather than we'll knock the ball around and wait for an opportunity to be presented to us. Um, I think we need to be that be like that from the first whistle. We're not in Europe. without We're out of the League Cup already. So it's not as if we're playing more than one game a week. We should be pushing, and we should have high intensity from the first uh, first minute, rather than when we go down. Um, so it's it's good to see that we can we play well when we've got that in us. It'll be a lot more worrying if uh, when we started picking it up, we we still still couldn't score. Um, but we just need to be a lot more consistent and a lot more hungry. It seemed like about the thirty sixth minute, we finally saw some some kind of interplay between the forwards and the midfield. Like you said, there was that gap kind of behind both strikers where. Uh, if they knock the ball down, there's nobody there to pick it up because neither Romeo or Lamina are going to get up into that space. And they are fairly similar. And I don't know if you listen, um, the, the Saints FC podcast, they had Michael Cox on there. And he said, yeah, I'm not sure that Lamina and Romeo are, are a great partnership simply because they maybe are too similar in terms of they're defensively minded. And, and maybe that contributes to that, that large gap that's there. But um, I think in the 36 minute, I think Long knocked the ball down to Tadic, made a run. Tadic played the ball to him, and then uh, it kind of broke down after that. But we had we had options there. We had we had a real opportunity, and it looked like we really knew what we were doing. Like we act, we were actually knew how to play with one another, um, which was great. Um, and then I think I have to praise Shane Long a little bit today um, because he just seemed like he was really for portions of the game giving the defense a tough time he was either drawing fouls or getting fouled he he went down for the penalty later late on and uh i think rightly so but um was there anything in there that really stood out to you as being uh as an example of us maybe coming into the game and playing a bit a bit better um i think um something you mentioned in terms of long i think he did have a frustrating game all around he lost a lot of headers and didn't really offer a goal threat but his run pulling the defender away created the space for, for Gabbiadini for, for his first goal. So, as you say, he did do some good things right, and his movement um, at times, particularly in the second half, caused, uh, caused a few gaps, uh, which allowed the, the state space to move into. Um, but, yeah, he was frustrating. Too often, uh, the ball was played up to him, for him to win in the air, which he's normally very good at, and he kind of seemed to kind of jump a bit weirdly and slightly pull his head out of the way and, and not win the header. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
as we headed towards halftime, it seemed like we were pressing. I mean, it, if somebody would have turned the game on and not had a clock up, people would have said, oh, the game's almost over because it, it was just Newcastle thumping it away, but Cedric chasing it down, putting one pass in, then putting a ball in the box. And it just seemed like we we're doing it over and over and over. And, and it, it, it just seemed like, man, I hope we can do this for another 45 minutes because there's no way that Newcastle can 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 hold out that long but uh no goal no goal came from it but it looked pretty open it looked like we were actually like you said like we were trying to get in we were trying to score and it doesn't always look like we're we're kind of trying to do that um but yeah i thought i thought that, that we had some periods of really good passing between some one touch passing to create pass or opportunities to to score and put balls in the box and, and things like that and i have to say that kevin friend sometimes i don't know i don't know how i feel about him i don't like to complain about referees but there were some some opportunities today for him to uh, DeAndre Edlin probably should have been sent off. And Definitely, he, he frustrated he frustrated me, uh, and I never want to see a, a U.S. player sent off really, but he should have been gone. And uh, yeah, I, I tweeted at some point that he must Kevin Friend must be auditioning for a refereeing job in Concacaf, so because uh, we seem to let people play like that um, all the time. Um, <laughs> but the Yed- the Edlin one, I mean, it's. It's irritating we didn't send them off, but we need to be able to beat teams with 11 men. We can't just expect them to rely on them going down to 10 to be able to win. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, in terms of positives in the first half, I thought that for, for portions of it, our pressing was good. I thought that uh, you can see Long and Gabbiadini kind of looking to one another and know when one goes, they both went. And for the most part, Tadic was there to kind of help out, but not always. And obviously... Possession doesn't mean anything unless you're scoring, creating chances. But we were, for the most part, controlling the game. We just weren't quite creating the the chances that we need. But from a negative perspective, we didn't really have anybody crashing into the box and and really attacking the ball when when uh, crosses were coming in. It, also, that we kind of lacked a, a little bit of energy uh, for for portions of the half, which I think you know allowed Newcastle to feel like they had a chance and, and eventually score. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we pressed well uh, at the start of the game, but then uh, that sort of dropped off a little bit. And uh, as soon as our pressing dropped off, Newcastle got back into the game and, and ended up scoring. Um, and the point that you made earlier about uh, just pumping it out the wings, hooping it into the box for the last kind of five minutes and a half, I think that was a problem we had um, for much of the first half. Actually, we we played too slow. So by the time we got to the um, got the ball out to the wings, the defense was completely set. We hit it in. They've got kind of two big centre-backs who headed it out into that space where we had no one of them to clear it time, time and time after again. Um, so it was it was much better to see in the second half when we, and at stages in the first half when we played with a bit more intensity. Um, the full-backs uh, played those little one-twos with the attacking midfielders and created a bit of space for people, uh, dragged defenders out of the way and created those opportunities to get shots off or, or balls through to the strikers. Yeah, yeah. Going into halftime, what what were your feelings in terms of of how the team was playing? Were you feeling like we had maybe an opportunity to come back into it, or did you feel like maybe a change immediately out of halftime was necessary? Uh, what what were your thoughts on that? Um, I was relatively comfortable um, with our chance of getting back into the match and um, getting that one goal. Um, the problem was if we if we conceded another one, um, we've we've not scored many more than one in any games recently, so. Um, there's always that worry that if you need to get two or uh, two or more goals to to win the game, it's going to be a real struggle. I think there were signs in that in that last kind of five ten minutes of the first half that we had what it took to come back into it. But yeah, nervy times. It's the same old Southampton. Look good, have lots of the ball, concede, and, and then it's a really worrying second half. And, and going into halftime, 
although we had the majority of the possession, about two thirds of possession, most of it took place in the center of the field with us kind of going back to either Romeo or Lamina and then back to Van Dyke and Yoshida. And then for the most part, I would rather Van Dyke be on the ball versus Yoshida. I would rather Van Dyke be the one to drive into space in front of him and make a pass because I think he's he's better at it. But for whatever reason, it seemed like Newcastle did a decent job of, of closing him down faster so that he had to give it to Yoshida to be able to do that. And and both center backs really have to be able to do that because that's part of the job if you're going to play in a, in a side where you're going to maintain possession and, and you have to drive in to draw people in to open up passing lanes and things like that. So I thought you should have did a decent job. But if I would have had it in a, in a perfect world, Van Dyke's going to be the one to to do that um, and kind of drive in to, to that space. But um, coming out of the second half or coming yeah coming out into the second half, we almost conceded a goal immediately. And it was, you know, it kind of kissed off the off the front of the bar and, and, and bounced away. But had that gone in, I think it changes the entire kind of outlook of, of the second half because whatever halftime speech Pellegrino would have given uh, would have just gone out the window at that point. And I think we would have seen heads drop and things like that. But not long after that, Gabby Dini gets a ball. I think Redmond plays him the ball. And as you said before, yeah. Long made a run to give him the space. And I thought I kind of thought Gabby Dini ran himself out of a out of a shot, and then all of a sudden here he comes and here he comes, and I keep waiting for him to lay it off to someone, anyone, um, and then he kind of just did what Harry Kane did the other day, which is just give himself a little bit of space and uh, put it in the opposite uh, towards the opposite post, but still a, a great strike and a, and a wonderful goal, and I, I think you have to give him the majority of the credit for both creating the chance and putting it away. Yeah, as you said, really, really good ball by Redmond, but all the credit has to go to Gabby Dean. Great, uh, great first touch, turned the defender, um, turned him again, and as you said, looked like he had absolutely no space left whatsoever, and then created the angle and put the ball in the in the bottom corner. I think he's about the only only one of our players at the moment, possibly Austin, who can be given that tiny little pocket of space and be able to find the net. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he like I'm not sure Long has the touch to be able to do that, and I'm not sure Austin has the. Uh... <laughs> Maybe the dexterity <laughs> or the, uh, I don't want to say agility, maybe, uh, to, to get that there. Um, I love Charlie Austin, but he just doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Although he did score that bicycle kick against us for That's a few years That's ago. true. He did. I think I was watching um, with my brother. I made him wake up and watch watch it with me. And I think he tried to go to sleep the whole time, but I kept yelling at him. But um, <laughs> So, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'm not giving Austin enough credit there. Um, but before I could even tweet anything, here comes Newcastle back immediately with the second goal. And what did you make of their second goal? Is there, I mean, there's blame somewhere, whether it's uh, on the midfield for not closing Shelby down uh, and cutting off the passing lanes or being taken out by his pass or uh, whether it's Forrester or whoever else for not, uh, for not doing well enough with, with the shot. Um, I think, yeah, first of all, uh, we've got to give blame to Fraser Forrester. Um, the first, first save, he should have paid it a lot wider, um, hopefully out for a corner. Um, but then he got up and ran straight towards Perez rather than covering his near post, left a massive gap, which he just smashed it into. Um, but I think before that, you've got to give a bit of um, criticism to, uh, first of all, uh, Van Dyke, because um, there was a run from Perez and he just pointed to somebody else and asked them to cover the run, uh, which he should have done. Um, but also, um, whoever it was that I can't remember now, which mid- whichever midfield it was, that Van Dyke pointed to track the run also didn't do a, a good enough job of tracking him. So I think it's yeah weakness all round. I think Van Dijk actually had a positive game, although he's um, he's had a part to play in both goals, but I think he just still looks looks really flat footed and I think possibly a bit tentative after his um, after his injury, not wanting to aggravate it. Um, so I think him taking a few 
a few big tackles today might might do him the world of difference, given that uh, confidence that his body is all right and he can start throwing himself about a bit more. Coming out of that, going down to one almost immediately kind of sucked sucked the life out of me. I was not happy. My whole house realized that very soon after. Um, but but it seemed like you know St. Mary's. It didn't. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how people reacted. It was kind of tough to tell. Um, but it seemed like very soon after that, everybody was behind the team again, and we were once again kind of pressing forward. Yeah, it's it's one of those strange. Everyone was um, celebrating uh, being back in it and um, <laughs> actually seeing a goal at St. Mary's, and then. Yeah, it's just kind of complete shock, really. Um, people are sort of halfway through composing tweets about the goal and all that sort of thing and quickly deleting because, yeah, because <laughs> we've let one in a minute and a half later at the other end. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of the next thing I have here that, that was really of any note was, was us going back level and with, with Long. He's able to go down and, and, and draw that penalty. There was some good passing by us to, to kind of work it into that position. It was kind of a well-worked move. And then... I think, you know, people had, had kind of been calling on Twitter for him to be pulled off already, but I'm not sure if there's anybody else on our team that could get to that position to be to be fouled for the penalty, you know? I'm not sure anybody else can has the pace to get there to to do that. So I think he he did well to win the penalty. Um but then Gabbiadini steps up and then there's got to be some pressure there for him and I think he he puts uh, up a decent penalty and and you know, we go level and and now we're back in the game. Yeah, well, I was one of those calling for, for long to be taken off for Austin. Um, but, but yeah, I think he is, um, the only one possibly Redmond, uh, the only other one that could have got there, um, and given the defender a, a decision to make. But it was a completely needless tackle because, actually, as, as we know, Shane Long's first touch isn't that great anyway. Uh, but this <laughs> one was also quite bad and it was just flying straight off the pitch for a goal kick. So absolutely no need for him to take him out to, yeah, it would have been a goal kick possession run back if he just stood there and let him kick it off the end. Yeah, and you kind of, you know, yeah, it, it's pretty basic. It was a pretty bad foul on his part. It, it didn't need to happen. There was no reason for him to do that. Um, but hey, thank you, and uh, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, great penalty though. Um, it's about apart from the one that Ward Prowse took. It's about the best penalty that Saints have had for about three years, probably since Ricky Lambert. Because um, whenever we do score them recently, they seem to just trickle off someone's leg or someone's hand or. Yeah. So yeah, nice to see that both Austin and Gabby can take penalties. Yeah, it, you know, um, if you follow the Saints' kind of Twitter feed at all, they always like to put out the "On this day, so many years ago, we scored this goal," and it's like I wonder what they were going to be able to put up from this year because most of our goals have been kind of you know dribblers, you know, coming <laughs> off of a off of a thigh or or something like that. And so finally, they're going to be able to have one that they can kind of be proud of and put in put in the the highlight reel. <laughs> Um, exactly. Which is, which is, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad we got it in there. And it, and it really felt like, you know, I tweeted after, as soon as that happened, like you finish the job, keep it on, keep the pressure on. And, and we did, we didn't win obviously, but, um, I felt like with some of the subs that we, we made, we had our chances to kind of go ahead and, and really finish, finish the job and, and, and take three points. But, uh, we went, we wind up splitting it. Yeah. I think so. I think this is the, I, I and a lot of others on social media have been relatively critical about uh, Pellegrino's substitutions in the last few games. Well, in most games today, he either seems to make, make them too late or make the wrong one. Um, but I think today, all of his substitutions changed the game. Um, he, he changed it up slightly, brought on different players that could do different things and uh, all credit to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it was good to bring Buffal on for Redmond and we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, but I, I was going to ask you, people have been critical. 
And if you're one of them, great, because I think it's, I think the criticism is, is deserved in some instances for his, uh, I, I think especially leaving them too late. Um, but today it really looked like, you know, I was surprised Romeo came off, but I think Davis had an impact on the game. I thought Buffal had a really big impact. Um, and I thought Austin, uh, I thought, I think Long's day was done at 80, at 82 minutes in and, and that Austin really had a chance to, to do it. And I didn't kind of towards the end of the game, I was, there was a bunch of stuff going on here. So, uh, did Austin do anything of, of note once he was in or was he, was it kind of just, he was kind of just on? Um, I mean, he, he did bits and pieces, but, um, but as you say, it was more, the, um, kind of Long's day was done, but also the substitution served a purpose in terms of enabling us to be able to play a slightly different style, uh, which in fact all of them did. So we went a bit more direct initially when, when Buffal came on. Um, then Davis gave us a bit better kind of passing range. Um, and then when Austin came on, he gave us another um, kind of bigger sort of target player up front. Because um, by that stage, we're chasing the game, hoofing the balls up long. Um, so you want someone like him that can uh, fight with defenders and try and get on the end of it. Uh, I mean, it, it didn't come off for him today, but but yeah, he got in some good positions. And I'd actually like to see him start alongside Gabbiadini uh, in the next match. Okay. Definitely seemed like some of the substitutions, there was definitely a chess match going on between Benitez and, and Pellegrino. And we we know they've worked together and, and things like this in the past. But um, especially it seemed like uh, Benitez realized at some point that his side probably wasn't going to get three points. And, you know, he made it, he made some defensive type substitutions. He put Gale up top on his own for Jocelyn, um to, to give him some pace up there in case they had an opportunity to break and hit us on the counter. Um, it didn't really happen for him. So that, that was good. Um, but I don't know. I thought, I thought that, uh, I thought both managers did it, did a decent job of managing the game and making changes to try to impact it. Um, and overall, I guess, I guess the two, two is a fair result. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I'd also agree on your, your point of it, uh, being a bit like a chess match. I think the, it was interesting to see two managers who've clearly been brought up in a similar school of football go up against each other and try and work each other out and, and try different things. Uh, when one changed it up, the other would make a change to counter it and, and so on. Um, it's a bit like, well, I, I also listened to that Michael Cox interview. Um, and he was saying it's interesting to see all of these different managers with, from different countries with different styles. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, seeing two, two Spanish coaches go up against each other was interesting. Um, so I think Pellegrino has often struggled to break down and work out some of the more traditional English coaches will just stick a lot of men behind the ball and look to just break quickly and, and just do that over and over again. Um, so it was interesting to see, uh, see him cope today. Um, and we'd seem to see how he develops tactically against different types of managers as, as the season goes on. Now we're sitting 10th in the table at this point, nine points, only two wins, still only seven goals but coming out of today are you feeling a bit better than you were maybe going into the international break about about how we look as a team and maybe our chances going forward um yeah definitely <laughs> well, since at two points throughout the game if you'd have asked me then I'd have, I'd have said no it looked like the same old issues when uh when we conceded both goals but I think there was enough there to um to show that we're starting to do things a little bit differently um Redmond and Tadic hug, uh, hugged their wings a lot more uh, we played a lot wider um, which, uh, which benefited us a lot. Um, I think there are, there are slight changes. There's obviously still, still progress that needs to be made, but things are looking in, in the right direction. We did play with a lot more fluidity and a lot more, um, sort of attack and purpose at points today than we have done throughout the rest of the season. Anything else about the actual match that kind of, kind of stood out to you that, or that you, uh, that we didn't maybe talk about or cover? Um, no, I think we've covered it all. I think the main one is just, it's an opportunity missed. 
uh, we could have won that game if we hadn't switched off at a couple of moments. And it makes it even more important going into the, the next three very winnable games that we need to be, be looking to win at least two, if not all three of those. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to look up the next couple of matches here. We have West Brom at home. So J-Rod's coming home. Uh, Brighton away. And then we host Burnley. So like you said, very, very winnable. And then I think we have a break after that. Or maybe it's the weekend after that. Um, there's another short international break, uh, which everybody loves. Early November, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, once we come back from that, it is really crunch time because we are going to play a series of fixtures that are not kind. Nor, not, neither in terms of of the teams we play or kind of the, I guess the, the pace at which they're going to come at us in terms of a lack of rest and things like that. So uh, it is, I think it's, it's imperative. And we've said it before that I uh, get some points on the board now um, because kind of late November and through December are not going to be kind. Yeah. I think, um, I think Pellegrino style could work against um, the likes of Liverpool and against Arsenal to be a bit more pragmatic and hit them on the counter but the prospect of playing Man City terrifies me <laughs> yeah well I, I was fortunate <laughs> enough up at the Etihad. yeah yeah I was fortunate enough to see them play Real Madrid uh, over the summer and granted it was a training game first half um, Isco was by far the best player on the pitch um, and I don't know what happened over halftime but Man City just came out and Kevin De Bruyne kind of did what he did yesterday and just picked people apart and it was I mean, jaw on the floor kind of watching and being living where I live, everybody is a Real Madrid or a Barcelona supporter. So there were, you know, 89,000 uh, Real Madrid fans in the stadium and then five people rooting for Man City and they just had to shut up at some point because it wasn't, you couldn't, you, the people were angry and it was just a preseason friendly, but they are, they are terrifying. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, people, um, I can understand the calls of playing two up top at Southampton, but the thing we miss, obviously, we're not going to get a player like Kevin De Bruyne, but teams that score a lot of goals, yes, they've got decent strikers, but the main thing is because they've got a person in midfield that can, whatever run their teammates make, he's, they're capable of picking it out. Right. And we, we don't really have that as Saints. We're not going to get someone that's really, really top quality without spending 50, 60 million. So we'd have to either develop one of the ones we've got or look to, to do things a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess that kind of does it for for the match. Um, and I, I think partially because we played, you know, seconds ago, we don't have a ton of listener questions. So we're going to, we're going to forego that aspect of it today. Um, but I have noticed that on your, on your Twitter profile that you have, uh, uh, you like hip hop music. I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Um, yeah. I got something I don't understand. Can you explain grime to me at all? <laughs> and, and if possible, yeah. could you condense it to like, one tweet is it possible to explain it in like a tweet um pretty much um it's it's uk rap music but it's a, a different tempo to, to hip-hop it's got its own distinct tempo like faster or or uh, no uh so the beats yeah so it's about um slightly different it's more of a sort of um dance music type it came out of kind of garage music and dance music so okay um yeah it's it has its origins in dance music rather than anything else um and in mcs rather than um kind of hip-hop which is yeah it's just pure rap really it, and is it super popular i mean it's, it seems like it's popular it seems like people like it yeah it's popular it's it's been around for a while there's been um dizzy rascal had quite a lot of success and wiley a few years ago but it's it's back on um back on the radar and getting uh, a lot more popular now. Stormzy's helped that a bit with his, his friendship with Anthony Joshua. 
Okay. Um, so, um, and I think a few, um, few American artists are now working with some of the British artists. So, um, it's, yeah, it's helping to increase the popularity. All right. All right. And then there are two other sports that kind of uh, come out of England or even uh, parts of Africa that are fairly popular. Those are cricket and rugby. And I just have a question, which of those yeah. would be more difficult without any kind of visual, without anything, just just you trying to explain it to me, which of those is more difficult to explain? Um, cricket. There are more intricacies to cricket. Far more variables to cricket than there are to rugby. So, I mean, cricket, you could talk all day and still not cover cover everything <laughs> um because I, I mean i played baseball forever and like i love it ba- and the baseball has all of those little intricacies that and i think when you grow up you you learn like i don't even have to try to explain this to this person like they they just want the, the big picture idea but i can be honest that i can watch cricket i can read like a cricket match report i can watch highlights and i have no idea what's going on not yeah not no idea um <laughs> but I, I i figured i'd ask and and uh I'm I'm gonna try really hard never ever to to get into it just because I I don't I don't need that I don't need that that in my life anymore, um, any more than I need one more or other, yeah. anything else. So, but interestingly, we we spoke about international football earlier. I don't watch a huge amount of international football outside the big tournaments these days, but I do watch international cricket and I do watch international rugby. Um, I suppose the big difference with those is you have centrally contracted players, the international teams, and it very much the pinnacle of, of both of those sports. Whereas football is. Oh, Champions okay. League, Champions League, are an equivalent competition. So the best, the best place you can be in cricket or rugby was international. I mean, cricket it's swinging slightly now with Indian Premier League and things like that, and big money coming in, big TV money. But it's still just about um, international. is just about still the pinnacle in both. Definitely is in rugby. All right, cricket still is just. Well, I, I think that does it then for for us. I, I appreciate you both. Uh, being willing to chat and kind of on the time limit that we were on and, and answer my, my ridiculous questions that have nothing to do with Southampton. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. It's been good fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, definitely look forward to, uh, to doing this again. And, and people can find you on Twitter once again at Richard B R E R Richard Brer, and they can get in touch with the Southampton panel at saints underscore panel. Uh, and you, like you said, the new website is coming soon. And uh, we'll put links to all the stuff in, in the show notes as, as always. But Richard, it's more more so than, than the football stuff. It's been great to talk to you again. And uh, I hope to catch up with you sometime soon. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been good fun. No problem. I will uh, talk to you later. Cheers. Bye. And that was my conversation with Richard Brereton, the editor of the Southampton panel. You can find him on Twitter at Richard, B-R-E-R. And you can get in touch with the Southampton panel at saints underscore panel. The website is currently under construction, but if you give them a follow, you can stay up to date with match updates and things like that. And as soon as the website's ready, you'll know, and you'll be able to get their analysis and articles and they are always good. So get in touch with Richard and with the Southampton panel uh, on Twitter at Richard B-R-E-R and at saints underscore panel. And I'd like to thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, I know that coming out of, uh, of the, of the Newcastle match, we run into three matches that we should be winning, that we need to be winning, uh, against teams that we need to beat, but against teams that will do things that will cause us problems. They will sit deep, be disciplined and attempt to hit us on the counter. Uh, and that has been something that we have struggled to deal with for now a couple of seasons. So uh, hopefully though, we can uh, find the the key, whether it's a change in formation, uh, whether it's a change in personnel, 
whether it's Bufal coming on and having a starting role, whatever it is, I hope that we can do it. Um, maybe if we just take a little bit of whatever the under 23s had today, uh, and, and their fantastic performance, uh, laid on, although they did look for a while, like they were going to, um, botch that and lose it, but then they poured on the goals there at the end. So that pretty much does it for this episode of the podcast. But uh, before we go, I just wanted to remind you that you can always get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and at facebook.com forward slash SFCDELIVERY. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. Give us a follow, like the page, send us any feedback you have. Uh, you can do it on either Facebook or Twitter. You can send us an email. The link is in the show notes. Or maybe the best way, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, here's one from AO David Lee uh, from just over the valley from me in, in Bakersfield, California. He says, without question, an excellent Southampton-focused podcast. Matt focuses on all things Saints FC, news, tactical breakdown, club information, supporter opinion, development, and more. The podcast is an honest evaluation of the club's performance and talent. The conversations with his guests are insightful and informative. You will really enjoy the podcast, so subscribe today. He gave me five stars. I appreciate that very much. That means a lot to me. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like people actually listen when I talk, which is weird because being a teacher, that doesn't always happen. So once again, thank you all for listening and don't forget to follow along on social media. Let me know what you think of the show and everything else. Uh, send in your your thoughts, your questions. If you have guest uh, requests, send those in as well and we'll do our best to make sure we can make that happen. So be sure to subscribe to the feed in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast to be sure that you do not miss an episode. And remember that you can also watch on YouTube or follow along on SoundCloud. All of that works. So however you want to listen, please listen. Let me know what you think. And I hope that you have a great day. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>